0: I want to speak to you this morning, I want to start a series about the gifts. If I can preface it or qualify it, I have not often preached on the gifts. People come to this church and they see it's very often that we believe in what many people would call the gifts, and I've been asked, how come you never really focus and preach on the gifts or talk too much about the gifts? I'm not um, overly impressed in a sense by the gifts, obviously I am, but John G. Lake in, in 1907 said, forget the gifts, get the giver. And, um, and I'm far more attracted to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit and to God the Father, to the Trinity. I'm far more aware of him than the gifts that he gives, even though they are vital and that they are very, very important. So I just want to give that. We're going to get into something for the next few weeks. This morning is going to be more line upon line than I normally do because it's important. And it's not going to be all the, you know, whenever you preach on gifts and you go to the various scriptures, people say, get into the gifts and get into the cool stuff. But, you know, what comes before that is the heart. And what comes before that is far more important for us to genuinely understand what the Bible is actually saying. And so I'm going to ask you to take the framework that you've been taught off. You can put it back afterwards if you don't like what I say. That's fine. But um, just to open your heart to fresh understanding. It's a new understanding. I've also found when the gifts are taught and taught and taught and taught and taught, it becomes unhealthy. Yet, it's very important. Very important. It really is very, very important. The scripture is 1 Corinthians 12 verse 7. It says, but the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And so the gifts that you carry are not given for you. But I'm going to start with a quote by Duncan Campbell speaking of revival. And he says he was from the Hebrides revival in the 1940s. One of the most powerful, I think, that came for many, many, many years He says, when I speak of revival, I'm not thinking of high pressure evangelism. I'm not thinking of crusades or special efforts convened and organized by man. That is not in my mind at all. Successful evangelism sees hundreds or even thousands of people making decisions for Christ, but the community remains unchanged and the churches continue much the same as they were before. Revival is something altogether different. Revival is a move of God in the community and the community becoming deeply and constantly aware of God. Becoming conscious, God conscious before a word is spoken by any man. Some of us cannot fathom that. We cannot really believe sometimes that that has happened or that can happen. And it can and it will. And unfortunately many people wait for the Lord to just do that. There is a partnership in that. There is. And yet there is something sovereign in God's timing about those, t- those seasons and times as well. So I thought I would start with that. But I want to lay a, a groundwork. I, I have found in the past, in my own life, I longed for the gifts. I'm going to be very open and vulnerable with you all, just for this whole series. I longed for them. I grew up in a household where the power of God was normal. Deliverance was normal. I remember I was six years old, I think, when I brought a a friend home from school, and my dad was doing the deliverance. He was casting a spirit out of a a believer. They were just all sorts of messed up. We'll just say that. And this demonic voice came out, and my friend asked me, why does that woman speak like a man? And uh, I just said, no, my dad's helping her. And uh, he was like, okay. And that was it. No problem. Kids are, are far more resilient than adults. Because we try to figure everything out. And the reason we do that is because it makes us feel safe. Yeah? But then I started, then I got saved, radically saved. I walked away from the Lord. And I started to pursue the gifts. And I started to pursue the power of God, the presence of God. And as much as I think I thought my motives were fine, they were. But it was largely about myself. And then God gets a hold of your heart in a fresh new way. And you don't care about any of that anymore. You just want Jesus Christ. And so I want to share a little bit of that with you this morning. So we're going to look at a framework of introduction to spirituality, purpose and heart of the gifts, and outworking in a local body. We'll touch the first one today. Introduction to spirituality. There are certain words and meanings and phrases that have been so overused in the church and we need to regain what those words mean. Words are important. Words like anointing. Words like awakening. Words like spiritual things. Words like, uh, you think of one, appointments. There are even uh, meditation, manifestation. These are words that accompany this area, this realm of understanding that much of the church globally has said doesn't exist today, Is not for today, which is ludicrous. But there has been a lot of misuse and abuse And so forth in these areas. So, all activities or manifestations of the Spirit of God stand upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. And the following relationship that we have with Him. All of them. All of them. They all point to Jesus. The Bible says in Acts 2.33, And Jesus Christ, being exalted to the right hand of the Father, has poured out the Spirit, which you now see and hear. The gifts of the Spirit, what some people would call them, the gifts of the Spirit. Is it hot in here or is it just me? It's just me still, really? Wow, So, It's hot. It's hot. Can somebody help me, please? Not too many times. Not, not, don't make it freezing, but um, sorry, I can just feel it's warm on my skin. So i the gifts of the Spirit are there to exalt Jesus. Jesus pulled them out from Heaven from his throne. Hello? Exalted Christ pours out. The gifts exalt. In Ephesians 4, the fivefold ministry gifts, evangelist, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, fivefold ministry gift is what? Bible says, He ascended, and when He ascended, He gave gifts. They are there to bring glory to the ascended Christ. All of them revolve around Jesus. All of them. So, Introduction to Spirituality. Before I do that, can I just quickly make a comment about preaching? You will not find preaching on any list of gifts in the Bible. 1 Peter 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. That's the various listings that the Bible gives about many gifts. It's about 27, and we'll get into that next week. But you won't find preaching there. You find oratory, but not every preacher is an orator. That's very different. There are certain businessmen that have such a gift of oratory. It's not preaching. Yet preaching will always remain central. Always. Why? Mark 16. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, 16 verse 19 to 20, after he had spoken to the disciples he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God and they went out and preached everywhere the Lord working with them. That's called the anointing. And confirming the word through the accompanying signs. The signs and wonders of the Lord come to confirm what has been said, both in here and from here. That's why in Romans 10 it says, how then, Romans 10 verse 14 to 15, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom sorry, they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? It's interesting and it's, that's the text about salvation. If you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, then it goes to that section over there. It doesn't say how shall they believe unless there's a healing. It says unless there's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So preaching is central. Always be central. You will always have preaching. George Whitfield in this nation used to stand up in New York of all places. God, do that again. In all the various places, he used to stand up and preach and God used to supernaturally empower his voice. He used to speak without a microphone and for six to eight city blocks, people could hear him audibly and clearly. was Yes, he had a big voice, but that's impossible for the preaching of the word. Charles Wesley used to get up at four o'clock every morning and go stand on the, pre, stand on the streets and preach as people used to walk to work before cars and just preach. Some of the greatest anointing I've ever experienced is through preaching. Preaching. It will never depart. So, introduction to spirituality. Spirituality and spiritual gifts. The church is afraid of the things of the Spirit for some reason, yet you are people of the Spirit. So let's go. 1 Corinthians 12. you guys ready? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. 1 Corinthians 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that, these, that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb, or some Bibles will say mute idols, however you were led. That doesn't mean dumb as in stupid. These stupid idols. That would fit well, but it means Mute. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's stop there. There's a quote that will come up behind me. It is possible to have strong spiritual gifts in your life, but be way off base in the way that you use them. It is possible to have spiritual gifts and not understand their correct use. And it's possible when you're not personally familiar with a spiritual gift to have no appreciation for it. Or even, you may even teach that it has passed away. You know, a great story is Guy the Blank. Can you quickly just raise your hand? This man, sorry Guy, I'm being vulnerable on your behalf. Thanks. Um, this, this man used to be a preacher of cessationism. And then God opened his eyes and now he's in a church that is doesn't believe that all those things have passed away. But he used to be the person who used to do the cessationism course at church. Isn't that amazing what God will do? That's like Paul. He was this, and God made him that. Isn't that amazing? Um, The Corinthian church was rich in spiritual gifts, but weak in wisdom. As Paul began this letter, he told the Corinthians, you do not lack any spiritual gift. The church needs teaching." They need perspective from Paul, who has a lot of experience with spiritual gifts, their use, their misuse, and their disuse. Can I say the answer for the misuse of the gifts is not no use, but correct use. No use is never the answer, ever. Jesus paid far great, too great of a price to open the realm of the Spirit to all people for us to shut it back down. So, firstly, now concerning, spiritual breath, now concerning the spiritual brethren, in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, whose Bible has, or oh, many of you are looking at the screen, and, and I probably made it not like that, but if you have a physical Bible, who of your, the words gifts is, is italicized? Who sees that? You know why? Because that word is not in the original. It does not use the word gifts in the original Greek. It doesn't exist in the original it says this, Now concerning the spiritual brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. The word gifts is not there. It's the same in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. The word gifts is not there in the Greek. It's pursue love and desire the spiritual. And it's referencing spiritual matters, spiritual persons, spiritual sources. Basically, the spiritual realm. Do not be ignorant about the spirit realm. Why? Because in Acts chapter 2, actually when Jesus was baptized, it says, and heaven was opened. In Acts chapter 2, and it says, on your sons and daughters, men servants, maid servants, you know, it's status. It's, in a sense, all the status was equalized. On the high profile, on the low of society. All sexes, genders, everything equalized. Men and women, maid maid servants everything equalized and it says and they shall all prophesy it doesn't mean that they shall prophesy in terms of the gift of prophecy it means that which was available and open to prophets kings judges and priests in the old testament to a select few is now open to all but be careful before you walk in that realm without an understanding of what it's about it will open to all people who believe in christ and here's the legal access door i am the door jesus said Many others can, thieves can come in another way. There are accesses into the spiritual realm that are like windows in a house. You don't go through the window. That's the occult. There's many other access points to the spiritual realm, but there is no covenant of protection to those who use those realms, and it will destroy you. It will destroy you. So, that was exciting. So he says, concerning the spiritual brethren, I do not, you see, she agrees. I do not want you to be ignorant. So seeing as the Corinthians were having such powerful manifestations, they do not lack any spiritual gift. Such powerful things were happening. He says, you know, all these things are happening. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant. So what was happening there, verse first point, spiritual manifestations happen without spiritual understanding, without spiritual maturity, and without spiritual wisdom. And that's good because if they didn't, we would be left, as many Westerners are, trying to figure everything out before we embrace anything and nothing would ever happen ever. It's very, it's not good Because of what was happening in the Corinthian church. What was happening was actually pagan prophecy. (laughs) What does he say? He says, you were, verse 2, you know that the Gentiles, you, you were Gentiles, in other words, before you were saved you were not Jews, you had to be grafted in. Carried away to these mute idols however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. They were accustomed. These were Greek people. They were not Jewish people. They didn't grow up with Abraham and Moses and Elijah. They grew up with Greek mythology. They were accustomed to having oracles, people who would speak led by, in a sense, a God, which was actually just a demon. They were accustomed to speaking. They would form idols out of their own image. They would form physical idols. And in the spirit realm, a spirit would be attached to that. And they would overcome them. I hope I'm not scaring some of you. Are we all right? Yeah. Okay, this is in the Bible, friends. And the church needs to wake up to this stuff, but with sanity and with wisdom. It used to be people in the Bible... The the elders in the Bible, the prophets, the apostles in the New Testament were the people who were in a sense the ones who knew about how that realm worked, the ones who knew about what happens after death, the ones who knew about the spiritual realm. Today the church mostly doesn't know, they're afraid of it, and so people run to all these other places for answers, fortune tellers and witches and all these other places for answers. Why? Because the church has forgotten. And so when they do that, there's no covenant of protection and they may have a little issue taken off their life so they think it's successful but it gives the enemy a routing and they are destroyed they are destroyed we knew of a fortune teller in in africa who when she got saved she went and did a history of all the people she used to tell their fortunes specifically those who she would try and take diseases off and they all got better but within two years all of them had died No covenant. I forgot what I was saying. I'm so sorry. If here, like it says, no one speaking by the Spirit calls Jesus accursed, Paul was partly dealing with the issue of pagan prophecy. They were accustomed to that. They were accustomed to speaking, the Bible says, as they were led. Meaning there's a spiritual personality leading them to say things. They were used to that. And there's a difference between pagan prophecy and false prophecy. False prophecy is prophetic like of of the Lord, but it's actually him not saying it, it's you. Pagan prophecy is something entirely different. It's got nothing to do with God at all. They were accustomed to that. So think about this for a second. Can, can we think together? Here is Paul having to tell these people who are having spiritual demonstrations, manifestations of the Spirit, oh, by the way, be careful that you don't speak in the wrong spirit. That is not control. Think of how things were happening there. He doesn't shut them down. Think about that. I mean, over here is this guy's prophesying, prophesying and it's of the Lord, and here there's this old Greek, you know, temple prostitute, sorry to be so, that's what they were, you know, dedicated her life to some false god, and she's now prophesying in the church too. That's of the Lord, that's of not. And all these things were happening in the Corinthian church. Paul doesn't say, just stop all that stuff. He says, no, no, uh, let me help you. <laughs> when you say that Jesus is accursed, yeah, that's the wrong spirit. That's not a good idea. You know? For him to have to say that. No one can say Jesus is, accursed, ex- uh, Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There's a story I know of a lady who wrote a book, and I won't get into that. She had an angel appear in front of her, and that scripture popped in her mind. No one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. She said, Who do you serve? Who's your Lord? She said, Can you say Jesus is Lord? And instantly the angel turned and the eyes became black and it was a false angel. Because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. You kind of see Joshua in the Old Testament. Friend or foe. I am, he's like, are you for me or against me? And he says, no. To both. I have come as the captain. I have come as the Lord of hosts. Oh, Okay. Bow down. Okay. Paul is saying he's dealing with this issue. And he's saying you have to move from the counterfeit to the authentic. God will put in you a love of his son. God will desire to glorify his son. God will put in you a loving loving heart and a, a hungry heart for this word. The authentic So there was lack of understanding. 1 Corinthians 3 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. Brothers, I could not address you as, another translation says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. So there was something going on there. First thing is spiritual manifestations were happening, but there wasn't the spiritual maturity. There wasn't spiritual understanding. With this lack of understanding, Paul says, I'm speaking to you not as spiritual, but as carnal, as worldly, as babes. So that challenges what you and I think the word spiritual means. Because we think spiritual is prophesying and, and, and trances and, you know, all those spiritual things. Yet I've found these things were all happening here Frequently. And he says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual, (laughs) but as babes. I found the things that carry true spiritual power are things like forgiveness and love and mercy, community, friendship, peace. Because these people were doing very spiritual things. And he says, I cannot speak to you as spiritual. But as babes in Christ. Because they were treating each other terribly. Terribly. They really were. It was not good. Because why? Love and submission were not present. This is what made them worldly in Paul's eyes. They were having all manner of manifestations. All manner of things. But there was no love in the heart for one another. And there was no submission to him and submission to one another. None of that was happening. So he's saying, yeah, you got all the stuff, but I actually cannot speak to you as spiritual because you haven't understood true spiritual things are from the heart. Are you with me? Love and submission was not present. I wrote this because it's kind of funny. Their treatment of each other was not good, yet they were excelling in the area of the supernatural. At least they thought they were, but it was more likened unto a child playing with a tactical flamethrower. Look what I can do, Dad, but just danger, danger. Danger, danger. So the enemy would be pushed back through the release of the power of God. The enemy would be pushed back. And then they would turn around and destroy each other with gossip and their words and hate and envy and strife. And the enemy would gain three steps. Paul's saying you don't understand the scope of spiritual things. You understand a part, but you don't understand the scope. He says here in 2 Corinthians... He says two Corinthians two eleven says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. That word devices is word it's actually the, the, the Greek word for mind. Some of your Bibles will say his schemes, and the context there is restoring uh, unforg- is restoring a brother into the community. The context is forgiveness and the context is love. And he says, for we are not ignorant of Satan's devices, of his way of thinking. So they're having these powerful things happen, and then they're treating each other terribly. So they're pushing the enemy back with power, and then they're agreeing with the enemy in the way they treat each other. And the people are going back and forth, and back and forth. So what do they do? Well, we need more power. So then they push harder, and then they get more angry at each other. Who knows this is in church history too? Yeah? yeah? So Paul's saying you're not actually spiritual. You've, you've, you've lost sight of the, of the grand scope. You know, friends, if I can be vulnerable, God speaks to me constantly. <laughs> Please understand, it's, it's not about a person. I'm not making about me. I genuinely am not, if you know my heart. But it's constant. Even last night, there's a lady. There's this wonderful group of people that come and clean our our church for us on Sunday, on Saturday night. That's what is nice when you get here. And um, she just walked past my office, and I called her. I said, "Hey, man." And I said, uh, "You know, I just started to speak to her about her life. You have a sister that lives in another part of the country. You're fighting with her, but you're worried about her. How do you know that?" In broken English. How do you know that? Crying. So I said, "The man she's married to this is." There's stuff going on. I said, she's gonna phone you. I said, but you're fighting. She's just crying. The other day I went to, my wife and I, I could tell she was, you know, when you're not feeling well, she's not feeling 100% well and life is happening. You just wanna, you know, you just wanna sleep. And and I could tell that I had been, not read the situation well (laughs) And I had been probably not the best husband. It, just very briefly. It was very brief. <laughs> very brief. And, um, and so I thought I could phone and say, babe, I'm sorry. You know. And I thought, oh, I could just show her. So I went to Walmart. And I stood there and I said, Lord, what do you want me to buy? And straight away, kitchen. Go to the kitchen. I get there and I'm like, Lord, literally. Lord, and he you know, in my heart, and all this stuff, I don't even know what they're called, these trays and, I don't know, stuff. And, and I buy all the stuff, and I take it home. I call it downstairs, you know, come look what I did, I'm amazing. And, um, <laughs> and so she comes downstairs, and she says, how did you know these are all the things that were on my list? I didn't know, he knew. You see, because it's, it's not about the gift, it's about the person. It's about the person. We have to understand that. I've seen people with amazing gifts, but they forget the person that it's directed at completely. Move out of my way. I'm going to show you what I can do. You are not spiritual, but carnal and babes in Christ. The style. I have found that sometimes the style of a person, the style of delivery, is so important. Not that we pander to the people and try, no. There are prophetic words. There's the difference between foretelling and forthtelling. Foretelling is the, 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 the world has stolen that word. It's actually, we should take it back. It's the prophetic about the future. This is coming. Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will tell you of things to come. That is ours, not theirs. It's ours. He will tell you of things to come. So, then there's forth telling, which is, it won't happen unless it's said by a prophetic person, like a prophet. It won't actually take place until it's said. Now, what's interesting, (laughs) what's interesting is sometimes a person can prophesy, can say, this is what I feel for a person's life, but it requires partnership. There are words that require partnership and there are words that don't. I don't want to get into that. But it requires partnership for you to work with it. The Bible says, work out those things. Do not neglect the prophecies, Timothy, made about you. In other words, they're not going to happen unless you pay some attention to them and you look at them and it builds faith in you and you work with it. There are some people that are so accurate with their words, but their style is so not helpful. That what happens is the person doesn't feel loved, appreciated, accepted. So what happens is they never partner with it. And yet what they said was of the Lord. So it makes something that was accurate become inaccurate because it's never partnered with. Simply because we haven't understood the the greater scope, the person. The person. So. What else does it show us? This is all verse one and two. Heaven help us. He says, I do not want you to be ignorant of the spiritual. I'll skip over some stuff and just say, friends, we are people of the spirit. The Bible says we are born of the spirit. Well, actually, Jesus said that. Says we are born of the Spirit, talks about the law of the Spirit, talks about being spiritually minded. By the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the flesh or the body. The led by the Spirit, you live by the Spirit, you walk in the Spirit, you sing in the Spirit, you worship in Spirit, you pray in Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit. There's many, many more. By the Spirit, not by might, that's military power, not by strength. That's the strength of a man's arm. But by my spirit, into that realm, everything is going to open. The Holy Spirit will come and open. The curtain will be torn. There will be access, and it will be opened. And things will take place by my spirit. So you are people of the spirit, whether we like it or not. That doesn't mean to be weird. It's being very natural, very normal, but to have ears open. Because all my sheep will hear my voice. Jesus said, John 10. Are you guys still with me on the day of Pentecost that realm was opened I want to speak to you very briefly about the baptism of the Holy Spirit so as you can tell this is just a platform so that we can understand things correctly can I go through this next section in a few minutes because I want to get to one more thing. The Holy Spirit is both at our salvation and at our baptism. In John 20, verse 19, 20, and 21, Jesus rises from the dead and he comes to the disciples and he breathes on them. He appears in the room and he has to say peace twice because they freaked out. because all the doors are shut and boom, there I am. He says, peace to you. Then <laughs> he said it again. I think, you know, they were like, okay. So... So, but he says, he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. That's their salvation. Luke 24, John 20, they get saved. That's the in-breathed spirit. They, something comes alive, the spirit that has access to God. That gives them what? Authority. It gave them authority. In Matthew 28, he says, behold, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, therefore you go. He's giving them authority, and it has to do with their birth. Like the son, like I said at worship. It's you are born. You are part of the family. You are born in the spirit. You are born again. You are part of this family. So now you have authority by right. It's given. But in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus came to the disciples and he said, I give you power and authority. And now he says, I give you Authority. Because in John 14, he says, I will send you another helper. That word, another, and I've taught on this before, I won't get into it. He's saying, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, it's to your advantage that I leave, because I will send him, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He will be everything to you that I am to you now. We have to understand that. Bible calls him, Jesus is the one who was their comforter. He was the one who gave them power and authority. He was their friend. He was their counselor. He was the one who came alongside. He did all of that for those guys. And he said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he will be the comforter, the one who comes alongside. He will teach you. He will show you. He will be your friend. He will speak to you. He will take of what is mine and declare it to you. He will be to you. That word another actually means that. He will be unto you as I am now. And he is to you, friends. As Jesus was to them. Very important. And he says so. When he was. He said like I did. I said to you in Matthew 10. Well he didn't say Matthew 10. Because it didn't exist. But he said. Remember that day back then. I said. I give you power and authority. Now he dies. Rises again. And he says. Behold all authority. I give you authority. But don't do anything. Until he comes. He comes. That's where the power comes from. He says, for when he comes, Acts eight, when he that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. So he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. That's the authority. But when he comes upon you, that's the power. He, the Holy Spirit, will be now your power and authority. He will be to you. What I gave you, he will give you. And that second is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Take a drink. Drink of me. I just sprayed myself. Drink of me and rivers of living water from within. Salvation. I will pour out upon you the Spirit baptism of the spirit very 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 important we had three people baptized in the spirit last week one was a 10 year old boy josiah tommy shared about him people don't even know he went back to the the kids church he came to me said uncle clayton i used to hold that little child preaching in the youth when he was born Now, he was baptized in the Spirit, and he said, he comes to me, he said, Uncle Clayton, these words and these things. And he said, he says, I need to write this down. I was like, that's someone who's in a household where they've trained you. Write it down, son. (laughs) Write it down. He went back to the children's church and started preaching to the kids, yeah, about how much he loves Jesus. He's 10. You hear stories of that. You know, God's at work. Please cannot tell the children. Please cannot tell everyone about Jesus. Preaching about Jesus, because the something he said. He said, "This is I know I know God, but this has gone in 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 me." That's what he said. That's the best theological des- description. Yeah, you're right, son. That's the best. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives us a clue, and then we'll read one thing, then we'll be done. In uh, John fourteen. He's still with me? John 14 verse 9 says, Have I been with you so long, yet you have not known me, Philip? He's speaking to the disciples in what we call his farewell discourse. It's the last things he's saying to them. John 13 to 17, before he died. And he says, "Um, Have I been with you so long, you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? Now how's this verse? The words... That I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. It starts with words, it ends with works, miraculous power and works. The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But it is the Father who dwells in me who does the works. What did Jesus call the Holy Spirit? What did he name in a sense of the Holy Spirit in speaking to the disciples? He said, I will send the promise of my Father upon you. The power. So he says, when he comes, he will be unto you like I am to you. And then he says this in John 16. Sorry, John sixteen twelve. 12. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. He will be to you as I am to you. He will speak to you as I speak to you. He will hear and take from what is mine and declare it to you just as I took from the Father. And he's going to be the same. He will hear, um, <clears throat> sorry, for what he will not speak on his, own, on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what he's saying. There's something that will take place. After I breathe on you and you receive authority because you're in the family, and he will be to you as I am to you. For your words to become works, Jesus' words became actual physical manifested works. It requires submission. What happened in between words and works? Not on my own authority. That has not changed at all. At all. Not on my own authority. Submission one to another, but submission to him submission to him and it will not be on your own authority and your words in Jesus name be healed. Or I say this will happen and this by the prophetical and the words become manifested into things that actually take place because it's not on my own authority. Yeah. Jesus gives us that wonderful clue. Now, I'm going to quickly begin to touch on verse, uh, heaven help me, Lord. I'll come back to, I want to speak to you a little bit about the difference between verses 4 and 6 and some of the differences, but we're going to do that next week. We good with that? I'm going to jump all the way ahead for the person at the back, and we're going to go to verse 7. We'll cover the verses 4 to 6 next week. We'll, we'll backtrack. But verse 7, this is what it says, and this is the, the stuff. Everyone wants to talk about the stuff, which is, which is great, but the manifestation of the Spirit, actually let's go to verse 4. There are diversities of gifts but the same Spirit, differences of ministries but the same Lord, and diversities of activities but the same God. We'll talk about that next week. But the manifestation of the Spirit, first thing, it never calls those fo- what follows the gifts of the Spirit. That's our phrase. It calls them the manifestation of the Spirit. It's the works of the Spirit. Just like the works were done by the Father who dwelt in Jesus, I will send upon you the promise of my Father. It's Him who will do the works. And He will manifest those works through people. It's the manifestation of the Spirit. The Greek word is phanerosis. It will become manifest. The manifestation of the Spirit is given. That's why we call them gifts. To each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, what is Paul actually addressing here? These are not Jewish people. They were Greek mythologists, some of them Roman, maybe. They were accustomed to multiple gods. Ares, Zeus, Hermes. I mean, Aphrodite's, pick one, right? So, in the beginning of the book, not at the very beginning, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, he says this. He says, Actually, let's go to verse 11 just for time's sakes. Big deal, one verse. For it had been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by the house, by the close household, that there are contentions among you, and some are saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas, and I am of Christ. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I never baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest any of you should say that I baptized in my own name. So it's not saying that they thought that Apollos, uh, Apollos, Paul, Cephas, Peter, and Christ, that they're all different gods. It might have meant that because he says, I'm so glad because you might have said that I baptized you unto me in my own name like a god. <laughs> but it is showing the natural tendency of the Greek, how what they grew up with. Multiple gods. So they're seeing all these gifts displayed. And they're like, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. Maybe they weren't there yet, but they were heading there. And it was, that gift is like this God. That gift is like this God. That gift is like this God. That's what was happening. So what is Paul actually addressing in 1 Corinthians 12? Polytheism. Not many gods One. The most important word, I think it's seven times, he uses the word same. Most important word there. Read it again. The manifestations of, give, of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another working of in miracles and in verse eleven, but one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. He's like, guys, it's one God, not many gods. It is not what you're accustomed to. They have never grew up with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Elijah. No, no. They grew up with multiple gods. Just like you saw in the beginning. You were led away by these mute idols. You were oracles of these four. So you were doing these things. So yes, now you are comfortable with the spiritual. You're comfortable with the supernatural. You're not seeing the large scope of it. And now you're saying there's multiple things because there's different. You know, they used to have the goddess of war and the Aries and the goddess of art. And I mean, literally everything had a God. And now these spiritual activities, manifestations happening in the church... And he's saying, guys, it's one in the same spirit, one in the same Holy Spirit. He is God on the earth. One. That's actually what he's saying. And so us Westerners, we go, okay, so there's just nine gifts and they've all been listed, and now we've grouped them. And they this and then they this and then they this. I don't think I think there's too many to count. It's not what he was saying. He's not giving an exhaustive list. Please, let's, he is God. He can do whatever he wants through those who submitted to through those who have full understanding of spiritual scope to love one another. This, the new commandment I give you, love one another. We'll leave it there. So are we going to get into word of knowledge, word of wisdom? Yes, we'll do all those fun things. And before the series is over, some of you will prophesy for the first time and give your first word of knowledge. Great. But the heart and understanding what he's saying, oh, that's true treasure. That's true treasure. Can we stand? Before I hand over to Tommy, I'm just going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your powerful spirit. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that that realm is being opened. And Lord, I ask with all my heart that we will not shut everything down because of misuse, but we will have patience as you have. We will have love as you have. We will love one another as you love us, Lord. And we will see the glory of God Again in the church, we bless you, Jesus. We are so grateful to you. May you receive glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.